Hello there, welcome to a brand new week and a brand new Prawncast. Prawny here, Marcus Paul, uh, I hope you're well. Uh, lots to talk about, um, of course Queensland, our thoughts are with each and every one of you and also for those around the northern rivers of New South Wales and the mid-north coast as the floods start to, well, unfortunately become worse as the days go past. What do we got in Queensland? Uh, most schools, not nearly a thousand schools closed, up to 140 suburbs at risk. Major motorways, including the M1, closed as well. It's just really awful, really, really awful. And looking at, uh, at some of the uh, aerial photographs and vision of, uh, of Queensland suburbs going under, dear oh dearie me, even the Forex brewery hasn't been spared. Well, the Bureau are warning that the Brisbane River could reach four metres, uh, less than half a metre shy of the 4.46 peak seen during those devastating floods back in 20... When were they? 2011. Yeah, oh dear, oh dearie me. And what about the dam, Wyvernhoe Dam? It's sitting at 183%. <laughs> got to remember, it used to sit at around 80%. And that was only two to three days ago. Rainfall totals between four and 800 millimetres have been recorded across the catchment area in the last few days, causing all of this widespread and significant flooding across the catchment areas. The Mary River and Maryborough, uh, they're also concerned there. And look, it unfortunately starts up at the Fraser Coast and runs all the way via the city of Brisbane, uh, Logan, the Logan River, I mean, it's expected to peak today. And uh, unfortunately, they're saying that it could well be at least a metre and a half above the 2017 flood level there. About 140 suburbs are under threats from the swollen Brisbane River. And more rain is expected, even though it was good to see a little bit of sunshine and some blue sky in the River City this morning. Dear, oh dearie me. Lismore, up in the uh, the far north of New South Wales. Oh, boy, oh boy, I don't know how they're going to cope. Many of uh, their roads and some houses are now under. More than 700 roads closed across Queensland into northern New South Wales. you got the, the major motorway, the M1. That was cut off at Tally. Uh, Burley Heads, Jacob Well. Uh, can't get through a Jacob's well, can't get through anywhere up there because of the uh, the localised flooding. Look, to everybody who's dealing with the flood situation up there, please, if it's flooded, forget it. If it's flooded, forget it. Do not, under any circumstances, attempt to drive through floodwaters. Uh, we know that, unfortunately, there's already been some loss of life. We don't want to hear of any more. They believe nearly... 50,000 homes are without power and unfortunately many other homes up to 20 odd thousand could be at risk of flood inundation. And what about the uh, the Brisbane River and the pontoons? I mean for goodness sake the floating pontoons breaking away and 
just floating down the river, uh, taking many pleasure craft and houseboats with them. You see the uh, the the houseboat when it hit a, a barrier yesterday, it went straight to the bottom. Fortunately, the elderly man inside uh, was able to be rescued. So our thoughts and prayers and and certainly our support goes to everybody affected by the flooding in Queensland, but. Uh, we're not out of the woods either for northern New South Wales, particularly around the Lismore area, and it is expected to head further south with all of this weather making its way from north of Brisbane down via the Gold Coast and then down into the northern rivers. Now, what about support? You know the emergency response fund that was announced by uh, the king of announcements, old promo himself, the Morrison government, back in April 2019. They told us that this $4 billion fund would pay for up to $200 million per year in disaster recovery and prevention to repair past damage and prevent it in the future. Well, surprise, surprise, as we enter our third disaster season since the announcement, there's not a single project to show for it. So far, out of the $4 billion emergency response fund, only $17 million has been released. Not one disaster prevention project has been completed. Not a single dollar released for disaster recovery. Even worse, by keeping this money in the bank, Scott Morrison's government has earned itself nearly three quarters of a billion dollars in interest. Over 40 times what it's paid out. So $750 million in interest, more than 40 times the money that's been paid out for those affected by disaster. It's helping the government's bottom line when it should in fact be helping disaster-prone communities. Imagine the flood levies, communications improvements, road repairs and other disaster recovery and prevention projects that could have been built to protect central Queensland during this disaster season. Instead, the critics say we've got another broken promise from Scott Morrison and the LNP. It seems even disaster victims aren't safe from our Prime Minister's, well, falsehoods. Australians shouldn't have to pay the price for a Prime Minister who never, ever plans ahead. They shouldn't be put at risk by a man who doesn't deliver on his promises. With another disaster season now underway, it's time that Scott Morrison and his local MPs stepped up. Lives, basically, and livelihoods absolutely depend on it. Absolutely. All right, well, what do you make of that? If you care to comment, you can do so in the, uh, uh, the comment section below here on the Prawncast Facebook page. Well, I noticed, and I put a post up in regards to this as well, One Nation is starting to... Uh, really up their presence on social media. And uh, one that caught my attention was was this post uh, by Pauline Hansen on her page. As One Nation released their election priorities, I asked you what you thought. And look, uh, part of what was said is this. Any good magician knows the key to pulling off a successful trick is to distract your audience. Politicians and big business use the same tactics when delivering bad news. 
Since the distractions of coronavirus in Australia and across the world, the country's big four banks have cleverly moved to close nearly 4,000 ATMs and 459 bank branches between 2019 and 2021. ATM closures in Queensland, 750-odd. Queen, uh, Victoria, 830. New South Wales, over 1,300. South Australia, 236. The Territory, 51. Tasmania, 115. And in WA, 405. While actual bank branches closing, Queensland, 82. Victoria, 126. New South Wales, 147, South Australia, 32, Tasmania, 13, WA, 49, and in the Territory, 1. Now, of course, a lot of these would be in regional areas. You know, and I heard Anna Bly from the Bankers Association when she was being interviewed on Sydney Radio earlier this week, she, or last week, saying, saying something along the lines of, oh, well, there's always post offices. Yeah, okay, that's true, but a post office is a post office. I know you can do some of your banking there. Anyway, but uh, when was the last time you could go into a post office and talk about your, your home loan or get some sort of customer service from your lender? And while posturing leaders from Russia and China take set a stage on our nightly news, fuel prices have continued to increase to an alarming $2.20 a litre in some parts of the country. Look, I filled my car up the other day. I've never, ever spent as much money as I have, uh, as I did in filling up the car. Uh, and that wasn't even the premium stuff. It was the stuff in between. It's not only the cost of fuel that's gone crazy, but food prices have soared, stock levels have diminished, housing prices have surged, cost of living has skyrocketed. So Pauline Hansen concludes in her piece here that the art of distraction is alive and well as we lead into this election. It's important to remember the fundamentals that have serious consequences if we allow ourselves to be distracted. And while others within the parliament are distracted, one nation say they've released their priorities for the election. Well, what do you make of all of that? You can leave your comments below. Click on the link if, you, if you're that keen and want to see what some of their priorities are. I mean, uh, some of it makes very good sense. Problem is, as I always hear from, from my listeners and followers in relation to One Nation, they talk, you know, talk a good game. But when it comes down to it, they always seem to side with the Liberal National Party, in the Senate at least. Uh, but she is right. They are right on this. And that is... The cost of living. Food prices are up. Housing prices are up. Cost of living continues to skyrocket. And I have to say I'm a little disappointed in, in much of the, uh, the coverage so far this year as we lead into the election that you know, the cost of living, in my opinion, should be front and centre. Now that we have the unfortunate situation in Europe with the Russians advancing on the Ukrainian capital of Kiev, unfortunately, I think domestic issues will play a, uh, well, a backseat. It will take a backseat at the moment, and that's a shame. It really is. Look, I got a, a lot of response to a post that I put up late last week in relation to what really many say has been a complete waste of time the last nine years have. 
So I thought I'd talk about it here this morning, and again, uh, feel free to leave your comments below in the sec in the comments section on the Prawncast page. If you cast your mind back to 2013, unlike the rest of the world, Australia had come through the GFC, the global financial crisis, without suffering a recession. At the end of August, net debt was a bit over $160 billion, and monthly hours worked per employed person averaged at around 141 monthly hours. After three terms of a coalition government, we have endured our first recession in 30 years, net debt has skyrocketed to $606 billion, and monthly hours worked per employed person have plummeted from 141 down to 125 hours per month. Wages, well, answer this question. Unless you've been in the public service, when was the last time you ever received a pay rise? Wages, I mean, this is putting it mildly, they are stagnant. And adjusting for inflation, wages have actually decreased, declined or diminished by nearly half a percent. And that's happened over the last year or two. And that is the worst outcome in some seven and a half years. Penalty rates have been abolished for many low-paid workers, and casual and contract work is increasingly the norm. We call that underemployment. And of course, when Josh Frydenberg gets on the television and spruiks the latest unemployment figures, and you know that's taken to the market, quite often that is something that's forgotten. The increasingly um, uh, normality, if you like, of casual and contract work and underemployment. Back in 2013, the rollout of the nation-building fibre-to-the-premises national broadband network was underway. Then along came Tony Abbott, who thought the interwebby thing was an expensive white elephant only used for playing games and watching videos. So he trashed it. Well done. Now, last Thursday... The Minister for the Digital Economy, Jane Hume, talk about somebody well and truly out of a depth, she announced in an address, the Morrison government has set a goal and is unrolling a plan for Australia to be a top 10 digital economy and society by 2020. Uh, sorry, <laughs> 2030. Yes, okay, Jane. Good luck with that. We currently rank 61st in the world for fixed broadband speeds. Though I hear Barnaby can organise something for those in the know, seems we are paying a lazy $520,000 to hook one of his mates up to <laughs> some very fast internet. In 2013, we had a price on carbon that was causing polluters, as we know, to innovate, to cut emissions. A renewable energy target that was driving investment and we were considered a world leader in action against climate change. Now, in 2021, we are known as the colossal fossil. Our arrogant disregard brings specific leaders to tears, literally. We pay people who promise not to cut down trees they were never going to cut down. We pay farmers not to run stock when they had cut herds anyway because of the drought. Polluters continue on their merry way making up numbers about emissions that bear no real resemblance to fact or the truth. 
Also, back in 2013, we had a car industry. Remember that? But the coalition hate unionised workplaces so much, they told them to piss off. They pretended it was about subsidies, but that is obviously not the case, as they find plenty to subsidise the fossil fuel, agriculture and armaments industries. I mean, imagine if we had retained that infrastructure and expertise to build the vehicles of the future, so we weren't so reliant on what happens elsewhere, or our oil reserves that, for some obscure reason, Angus Taylor chose to store in the United States. Goodness me. We also used to have a thing called the Mining Super Profits Tax, which was, back in 2013, just about to start paying dividends. As mines moved from construction to production, not only did we abolish that and all the redistributive measures attached to it, it seems many of the mining companies now get away with paying, yep, you guessed it, no tax at all. In 2013, there was some optimism that we were on the path towards reconciliation as well, that we were finally accepting some responsibility for causing the problems and listening about how to work uh, toward fixing them, until we were thrown brutally back into the world of terra nullius and Captain Cook and white supremacy with all the rubbish that we've had to hear over the last number of years. We used to have a a pretty good reputation on the international stage. Now we are known as liars, and our Prime Minister for Offence seems determined to start a war with China. In 2013, we had a female Prime Minister, and we subjected her to the very worst our misogynistic, patriarchal society could offer for all the world to see. And the treatment of women has only gone downhill from there. The only positive thing to come out of the coalition's term in office was when the voters dragged the government kicking and screaming to marriage equality, and we had to go through a bloody plebiscite, all that rubbish and all that nastiness, we had to go through all of that to reach a conclusion that most Australians agreed with, that marriage should be equal, regardless of whether you're attracted to the same sex or not. The Conservatives have been looking for revenge ever since, like it was some personal slight on them. Anyway, just to conclude this little rant, it is time to call quits on what has been the most inept, most incompetent, most offensive, most dishonest, least intelligent, least compassionate, least prepared government this country has ever had the misfortune to endure. What do you make of all of that? I'd love to uh, hear your comments. If you wouldn't mind, leave them below in uh, in the section here, comment section on the Facebook page. Uh, now, thank you to everybody who's jumped on board uh, Patreon, become a, a patron. I noticed a couple of people um, said, oh, Marcus, you, you need to stop begging. I'm not begging. If I'm going to continue doing this, though, it has to be a little worthwhile. So if you wouldn't mind, please uh, jump on Patreon, even if it's just five bucks a month, every little bit helps. Um, Also, I wanted to send a shout out. This might sound a little weird coming from this little tiny prawn cast, but uh, to Kyle Sandilands and and Jackie, Kyle and Jackie. Look, I have to say, since uh, getting the bullet from uh, the 
the radio station and and all the rest of it. I have heard from a number of people in the industry who basically have backed me up saying, oh, it was a, an overreach, you shouldn't have been sacked. And I've said worse, I've done worse, all the rest of it. Um, so and they know who they, they are. And um, I thank them all privately when they've reached out. But I noticed this morning, on this Monday morning, uh, Kyle said very publicly that I should not have been sacked. Now, in a... In a, a you know, competitive and, and quite often nasty industry, it's, it is nice to have support. And I think it comes from an understanding, um, perhaps from, from Kyle. I, look, I, I, I know his manager personally, and we've spoken before. And Anyway, uh, the amount of effort that we put into, well, I put into the show, I think they understand that. And that's why it was difficult, I think, for, um, yeah, to move past it, but slowly... And surely each and every day. I think I'm through the morning phase now. I might be going through the, the cranky phase at, at a moment. At the moment, um, one thing I wanted to finish on, and that was the hypocrisy again of, of certain sections of the press. I've never ever liked the use of Nazi figures to get a political point across. I think it's an extremely bad taste. And I think it uh, is very offensive to victims of the Holocaust, victims of the Second World War. Just, I just think it's in bad taste. Uh, I know um, quite often people, you'll hear, oh, you know, it's satire, Hogan's heroes, and I know nothing, and all that sort of stuff. But still, I noticed uh, today a senior Labor frontbencher has been forced to take down an image depicting Transport Minister David Elliott in a Nazi uniform as the fictional Sergeant Schultz from that sitcom Hogan's Heroes. Now, okay, yes, maybe it should be taken down because it's offensive. But for the Daily Telegraph to make a story out of it, considering, you know, they have form in this area, I think is hypocritical to the extreme. I mean, remember the Daily Telegraph's headline... And I, uh, I'm just trying to get the exact date. Hogan's Heroes, starring Deputy PM Anthony Albanese as Sergeant Schultz, PM Kevin Rudd as Colonel Clink, and Craig Thompson as Hogan. I know nothing. And it was looking during the saga of Craig Thompson, and, you know, but he was certainly fair game. But to have Kevin Rudd uh, pretty much dressed as. Well, not a Hitler figure, but a uh, an SS soldier or a Nazi figure. And then Albo Schultz, I thought was offensive. And I remember when it came out and I thought, jeez, it's a bit rough. And I think they were criticised for it at the time, the Daily Telegraph. But again, to make a story out of it, uh, today is extremely hypocritical considering uh, their form you know, in this area before. All right, before I uh, I finish up this prawncast today, you might have read online that perhaps we're, we're talking about doing a little bit of work with a, uh, a startup online internet radio station uh, that does get a little bit of community airtime out in the Hawkesbury. It's called Starter FM. And I, I met the, uh, the two young blokes, very impressive young blokes who run the joint um, in the last few days. And um, 
yeah, we're, we're going to try and make something work if we can. Um, I mean, would you like for uh, me to perhaps hop on and do something again on the radio? Uh, it would be online, though. Uh, start or mainly play current music, R&B and all that. And I love that sort of stuff, particularly some of the uh, uh, some of the old bangers. So I'd be, I mean, similar to music I used to play on 2SM before I was told not to. <clears throat> but anyway, we're going to maybe look at doing something along those lines in the next week. It'll start with little prawn bites, <laughs> just to see how it goes, to see if it attracts people to listen. And you will be able to, if you on the iHeartRadio app or, or starterfm.com.au um, and listener and all that. Not listener. Ooh. No, no, that's the other mob. Um, look, you'll be able to listen, basically. And there'll be segments probably to start us off between 7 and 9 from next Monday. So basically the prawn casts that I do, but they'll be broadcast as well and there'll be some music in between it and all the rest of it. Is that something you'd be keen on? Uh, well, I guess time will tell because we'll we'll get it going and then we will see um, how it all uh, fans out. Hopefully, um, and we'll promote it, I'll promote it, um, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, make something of it and get some sponsors on board. Uh, if you know of anybody that might want to advertise or whatever, um, you know, we can certainly uh, free up some space where we'll run ads and all the rest of it. Uh, make sure you let us know. You can always send me an email if you do want to support that. I'm after a major sponsor for it, by the way. Um, so yeah, marcuspauljournalist at gmail.com. All right, that's uh, .com.au. That's where you can send an email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor of what we are going to do with Starter FM. Um, that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, please jump on Patreon if you can. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with another prawn cast. Uh, leave your comments below. Any suggestions or thoughts on perhaps what I can talk about? Oh, by the way, the uh, uh, the the catch up with Isaac Butterfield is going ahead this Thursday. I'm looking forward to that. Jumping on his podcast and uh, we'll share it and all the rest of it. Um, I just don't know what to wear. <laughs> face for radio and all that all right have a wonderful day uh, prawny out we'll talk to you again tomorrow bye now